0: Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, a show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Dr. Shabnam Berry-Khan and today's topic is Christmas. and. Um, how it it can sometimes feel like a funny time of year when you are a helping professional as you probably are and perhaps more so when you work as a case manager or a therapist or a legal professional or support worker even in the personal injury world because our work is, is just so intimate and we work for years with a client whose life will never be the same and their families are they're all kind of coping with um the trauma and the loss and the grief of their injuries and the impact that's had on them you know after all we will be very aware that the pressures are there for them from a health perspective a social perspective emotionally um, and and of course practically in terms of managing care and and rehabilitation and we know that Christmas is such a hot spot for health and mental health issues family conflicts and uh, stress is much more prevalent. Loneliness is huge. You know there might be financial worries as well. It's an expensive time of year, and sometimes people revert to their maladaptive coping strategies like alcohol misuse, etc. Above and beyond what perhaps is is appropriate uh, for that time of year. And I often hear from my colleagues um, that they're wanting a break themselves to focus on Christmas shopping, managing their own finances you know just generally feeling exhausted um, at this point in the year with lots of social demands etc so it's just a stressful time all round, and it's not perhaps always recognized either in ourselves or perhaps by our colleagues so this episode is to try and think a little bit around um what that means what it means to to have Christmas in the personal injury world and maybe some some ideas around how to to make it a little bit easier to be able to switch off helpfully, knowing that risk and client needs are are being appropriately managed. So today I have Dr. Marianne Trent from Good Thinking Psychological Services, also the author of the Grief Collective book, and uh, she and I will be having a little chat about Christmas. Welcome, Dr. Marianne. Oh, thank you very much. So I know your specialism is grief and I know we've also got a podcast around sort of trauma and and the impact of grief and loss, et cetera, on our client population. I suppose I'm thinking about it with you today um, from the other side. How do we as care professionals think about grief and loss at a time as it's festive oriented but also sort of emotionally charged as christmas
1: yeah i think it's very difficult and i think you know there's certain times as as a health professional that you do think of your clients more and i think sometimes when you're having a nice sort of family time it can really you know open up those parallels can't it it can get you thinking well i know exactly what their christmas is going to be like they're not going to be having hilarious laughing fits over crackers and you know and you know jokes and family time they're just they're not going to be having that they're going to be having a day very similar to the ones before it and it can lead us to you know to a slightly complicated complicated feeling state as a as a health professional i think
0: yeah absolutely i mean it's a stressful time of year anyway you know regardless of the job that one does or the um you know, the the sort of circumstances individuals feel themselves in, you know, certainly from the perspective of being a case manager and uh, a clinical psychologist, I often um, find that I'm having conversations around Christmas, particularly where guilt kicks in a lot of the time with my colleagues um, that I'm having conversations with. There's a sense of Feeling really overwhelmed by that difference of what I'll be doing and what my client will be going through, particularly when a client might be struggling with adjusting to what's happened to them, or their families are perhaps still in conflict in a state of flux as a response to what's happened to them. And, you know, we're all doing this job because we are quite in tune, I suppose, with wanting to with other people suffering and wanting to support them through that journey and yeah I'm just very aware that it can really trigger for us you know in the position that we professionally find ourselves in being kind of dragged into reasonable emotional reasons because we are all human into a, a realm that that can add to the stress that we might already be feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you said yourself there that you know, one of my mantras as a psychologist is that my goal is to alleviate distress and suffering in others, for sure. Um, and the difficult thing about the population that you serve is that there is so much distress and suffering, but also so much grief. There's so much direct compare and contrast to what we have currently and what went before. And that's really difficult, especially, you know, anniversaries and milestones are really key, aren't they? And so, you know, when we mention Christmas, I can consider what Christmas 2020 was like for us as a family. It was just the four of us. That's what we decided. um, Because, you know, the big extended Christmas wasn't viable at that time. It wasn't legal, was it, if we're honest about it? Uh, And then I can also reflect on what Christmas 2019 was like the last time we were all together you know, when that was legal. Um, And I speak to you at a point where actually, we were supposed to be having our first big family meal again this coming Saturday. And we were all looking forward to that. And, you know, it felt like a real milestone. But then, of course, as I mentioned to you before we started filming, my eldest child currently has a positive COVID diagnosis. And so that is not happening. So, you know, we've always got these mini griefs or micro griefs or adjustments And the ability to compare ourselves, you know, to where we have been in the past. But like I was saying, you know, the milestone of a Christmas, you know, I can immediately summon many, many Christmases gone by. You know, I feel like this is a, you know, Christmas Carol um, episode. But you know, I and you can do that. And and the people that you're supporting will also be able to do that. You know, people who might be with um, with the person at the centre of this injury claim can easily recall very different. Christmases ones that might have been more joy-filled or ones that might still have been challenging so you might be in a position where actually things are feeling a little easier this year than they were last year but they still might not be anywhere near comparable to how they were pre-injury. And that's really
0: really hard to sit with I think I mean as a as psychologists you know in terms of our formal training and you obviously practicing entirely as a psychologist It's um, perhaps easier for us, but at the same time, we are in the personal injury world. The majority of professionals are not perhaps psychologically trained to the degree and certainly not in the loss and grief specialism as you are, but it can be really hard to sit with that discrepancy to, to know that, gosh, actually things are different. It wasn't like it was last year. And actually, I'm not even sure. We can never know what the future is going to hold, but maybe the same next year even, or, or it might be worse even, who knows. But I think the difficulty is being able to, as a case manager certainly, hold that, that distress that, that potentially could be shared or that we may identify with a notice and be able to know how best to respond to that. Without losing ourselves in that, because you know it's the classic case of if you're not doing it well for yourself, how can you do it well for your team members, for your colleagues, for your clients? Um, and and I and I say that in that way because actually our our clients are part of the picture that case managers and other personal injury professionals have to think about. But we have the care team, you know, we have therapists, etc. And so this you know kind of idea of working and being available over Christmas is part of what a case manager has to think about and what could we think about that um, doesn't add that pressure and that stress given that we are constantly we all are experiencing sort of micro griefs and micro losses together if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it, it does. but of course the people working in case management it, it, they are still people themselves and if' you're not, if you're not shift working, you know so lots of people all over the country all over the world do work Christmas Day. And I think that's very different because then people often make sure that they've got a separate time to be able to celebrate whatever they need to celebrate or want to celebrate with whoever whoever they want to be with. But, you know, I think I'm always a bit concerned when people are thinking they ought to be leaving their phone on or, you know, being able to be contacted at times when they're not working because you can't ever really lean into something, you know, or have that glass of champagne if that's what you'd like to do. If you feel like at any given moment, you might be wrenched from that back to a reality where you're having to really sit with someone else's suffering right there, right then. And, you know, like you said, as a health professional and as a psychologist, I am trained in tolerating and sitting with the sadness of others. But equally well, you know, it's all about that work-life balance, isn't it? That actually, we know that we can't do that 24-7, or so we would burn out, there needs to be other opportunities where we give ourselves permission to enjoy things you know I was listening to something today that said um, time spent enjoying yourself is never time wasted and that really stuck with me I thought that was really wonderful and it pays a rich dividend doesn't it so I went um, again not very COVID friendly but I went to salsa dancing on Tuesday and you know it was joyful being able to spend those two hours just smiling for two hours you know it was really nice and that has paid dividends beyond those two hours, you know? And so I would say that if um, your case manager is listening to this, you know struggle to switch off that doing something something completely different, where they turn their phone off, where they're not accessible, um, and where they do spend time with family and people they care about, enjoying themselves um, or at least not being massively problem focused if that feels too much of a stretch, is really important.
0: Mm, yeah, I've, I'm enjoying this permission that you're offering us because sometimes. <laughs> because i think it is very different i think um, case managers are we're all as you know we're all set up in different ways we've got some of us are employed by larger organisations some of us are associated we're uh, associates of larger organisations some work um in smaller groups some are sole traders um and the concept of taking time off and and what your uh, responsibilities are i think varies massively and I'm just trying to think about how that um, idea of being able to switch off, which I think fundamentally I'm hoping that um, anyone listening into this will think, yeah, yeah, of course we do. Of course we need to switch off. But how do I actually do that? How do I go about making it clear about, you know, where my, I suppose for want of a better word, where my boundaries are, particularly around this time? some of it obviously is work that we as individuals have to do around ourselves about what is appropriate, what isn't, but actually there's a practical element to it as well. And I'm, yeah, I'm wondering if, uh, if there are any sort of ideas that you might have around that.
1: Certainly something I do with clients is that we really think about ring fencing our time and not mindlessly or, you know, checking things in order to, try and take the workload off at a later stage. So um, I am quite guilty of just quickly having a look on my phone before I go to bed on LinkedIn and, and all of that jazz. But actually what I recognised, for example, after salsa this week, is that my phone was in my bag still when I woke up. I hadn't even plugged it in. I was so switched off. And I, I really thought, well, the world did not end when I did that, um, you know? And actually, I have tried to commit to not checking, you know, not having a quick look on my business socials before I go to bed. Because if I, you know, I'm showcasing that I'm available at all times of the day and the night and I respond to emails outside of times where it would be predictably, you know, encouraged that I would or expected that I would, then people are going to expect me to be that flexible all of the time. And I know at the moment with COVID, we still do have some more flexible work hours, which is OK, so long as you are only responding to things within your, you know, work hours. And, you know, if you are employed, um, this is something I work with the clients quite often, you know, you actually don't need to look to log on to your emails half an hour before you start work to clear the backlog, because that is work. And similarly, similarly, well, you don't need to respond to emails, you know, outside of those times or check in or do anything. We're supposed to be ring fencing that time, treating ourselves as important, because then we give ourselves permission to really focus on our work within those work hours, That give ourselves permission to switch off. We set up an out of office reply that explains what our, you know, working hours are and perhaps also explains that, that um responses will be prioritised and that they will get a response within, um, you know, within a reasonable time frame. You know, and if they feel like the case needs escalating, they can, you know, send an additional email. But, you know, we don't need to feel like we need to be available around the clock because that is going to lead to burnout. So I think that's time and time again. I see that with clients that they start to feel so much better when they are able to put those boundaries in. And if they have to, if they have to do extra work, then can it be overtime? You know, does it have to be just out of the goodness of their heart? Because they matter, their lives matter, their time matters, and it has a price. Um, Should we be working for nothing? No, we should not. Mm. And I think there is something in that about
0: certainizing, it's not a real word, but I'm going to use it for now, certainizing uncertainty, because there's nothing, I think there's something you said earlier about um, setting up a precedent a little bit, that, you know, if you've always behaved like in a certain way, in response to a client need or whatever, then there's nothing to stop someone thinking that you'll do it, behave in that way again or that you will respond to a query in that way again you know at a certain time because circumstances have perhaps changed for you or it's you know it is to use the example that we're using now it is christmas and there are other pressures that you are experiencing or you know other needs that you have it might not even be pressures like you say it could just be that you want a bit of time off which is completely okay Um, If someone sends you an email and you usually respond in a certain time and they have no idea why you're not responding to them now, that's, you know, that's where the uncertainty kicks in. And that's, you know, that increases anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. So there's something about, I don't know, to want to use a better word, but um, ground rules almost over a period of time that might mean that your availability is different and how valuable that could actually be.
1: Absolutely, and in thinking about you know some of the business development and business coaching ideas, you know there's different strata of service you can offer. If someone does want your bespoke around the clock support, there's a price tag for that. You know you don't need to be offering that to everybody. Mm. I suppose in
0: in in I completely agree, and I think that would be in the case management world. I think linked to some degree to risk. And making sure that your, you know, what risk your client and or their family might have is discussed in advance, thought mm-hmm. about carefully, provisions or uh, safeguards put in place to ensure that that risk is minimised over a period of time that makes it clear to everyone what the plan would be if the risk presented itself Hopefully they won't, but you know, I think that 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 planning, that planning aspect is is hugely um, valuable. I think in in the work we do as, um you know, in the personal injury world. Absolutely, forewarned is forearmed, as they say. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> I never get that saying right, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, f- I think f- for me, there's also an element as a as a personal injury professional thinking about not just kind of what I feel is going to be right for me to relate to my client and the package of um, care and therapy they have around them, but it's also, so carers are the ones that go in, just like our, like you were talked about, um, you know, sort of shift workers, um, you know, just like our nurses go into the NHS and our doctors, et cetera. Um, our carers in the personal injury world are the equivalent. They are the ones who are there. And, Again, setting that up in advance. I know um, our team at SBK Case Management are really, uh, like we talk about it from like September and, you know, kind of get that all going because it sounds like that's well in advance and people don't like talking about the C word that early. Mm. <laughs> but from our client's perspective, um, it just helps us be very, very clear by the end of October, some point in November, which actually isn't that far before Christmas in all honesty, that Christmas is covered, the anxieties around it, the, the worries around people not being available, seeing where the gaps are, being able to plug those gaps is mega, mega important. And that's that's really, that's part of the sort of routine that we offer and, and, and develop around our, our clients. But I find the carers themselves, our, our support workers and our, our care team uh, workforce also almost need to be want of a better psychological or psychoeducated into the idea of boundaries and what that means, because they're right there at the front line. And sometimes that boundary can be really blurred when stress is very high, because they're the ones who see that in the moment. They're right there. They're the ones who have to manage their emotions alongside what the client is asking for, alongside their own family and personal needs at a time where, you know, all that goodwill to humankind and all this kind of stuff is. So, you know, in itself is a bit of a pressure.
1: Mm, yeah. Something you might not know about me is that I've been a home carer as well. You know, I have been and supported people who've had life changing accidents or illnesses. Um, and actually, I think of it as a real privilege, you know, especially to you know, to go in early on a Christmas morning when actually I wouldn't have been doing anything else other than probably rotting in bed for a hangover, to go and spread some joy and positivity. And there can be, you know, when you're in there and you realize that perhaps you might be the only person that someone might see that day, there can be that human connection to the suffering of that and thinking how that must be, how that must feel like. And that's one edge to the sword. That's one way of looking at it. But actually, also, the other way of looking at it was how incredible that that I got to share that with someone and that actually I was really good at my job and did take time to do extra things, you know, not just on Christmas, but every day, you know, massaging cream into legs and spending the time I was paid to be there, not just racing in, making a cup of tea and racing out, but actually treating people as humans with dignity and respect. And actually, that's really fortunate that I was able to spend that with that person and that they were able to have someone that was so committed to giving them a dignified and maybe even joyful as much as they can, you know, manage um, Christmas or, you know, whatever day it was. Um, And, you know, we don't need to be necessarily doing that compare and contrast um, and wedding ourselves to the idea of what, you know, what, what other Christmases that person have had has had before, because of course, they'd be, you know, comparing, perhaps, you know, what they had yesterday, perhaps what, you know, it's very more immediate. Um, and, you know, it's a lot, you're allowed to have done as much as you can do right now for that person, without thinking, you know, what else you could do, you know, we're not asking you to bring them home with you for Christmas, although there might be, you know, as a helper, there might we, we might imagine that, you know, actually, There'd be no bother sitting there in the corner, you know, and, you know, we wouldn't really mind. But, you know, you're allowed to you're allowed to still enjoy your life whilst still working as hard as you can um, to yeah, to treat people with that dignity and that respect. And, you know, care teams might be having more annual leave and things over Christmas. And so if families are trying to support their loved one um, with reduced care, you you know, it's okay to find that hard as well. And I think care, care coordinators uh, um case managers need to be aware that you know come january that their you know their clients might be a little more burned out than usual mm. yeah that's a really good point actually yeah that christmas is a uh
0: you know while we might not be actually working on the front line our care team are and january might be arrested you know fair, we might come back fairly rested but our care teams might not be that's a really um mm. good point to, to highlight I think I, I liked what you said about kind of doing things for our you know based on your experience of a support worker once upon a time, thinking about how it how it how you can make the time special beyond perhaps actually giving something up of your own um at a time where that's not perhaps appropriate or helpful for you um that also shares with your client and their family that you're thinking of them and that you are you know wanting to to help them um manage their perhaps their loneliness or their you know their their um their health needs or you know to to show that you're aware and to demonstrate the to challenges that they might otherwise emotion- feel emotionally and and I and I think it you know it can be something that Probably need to be built in a little bit because it helps us as professionals to know there's a space for me to express my my Christmas cheer, if you like, without actually being with my clients on Christmas Day and calling them up and you know kind of going out of my way, you know, in a way that is you know, like I say, unhelpful to to me where I also need a break. But then the, perhaps the last time I'm, I'm just making it up, um, but the last time I'll see my client before Christmas might be a time that I, you know, sort of share something you know, close time with them We, you know, we might have, I don't know, mince pies at the next meeting or something, or um, I don't know, we we listen to some Christmas music. I, I don't know, whatever feels right. I mean, that's actually, I don't like mince pies or Christmas music. I'm basically <laughs> the Grinch. Um, but no, <laughs> but you know, something that is a gesture that demonstrates an awareness of, you know, celebrating in some way with them that, that isn't, Specific to the day of Christmas and means that your boundaries are challenged in some way um, and that your needs are impacted. Because, of course, we all want to come back in January as refreshed as possible within the, you know, within within the realms of our professions and our jobs um, and not feel ultimately guilty, which is a real drainer um, about having not done enough for a client you know, on an emotional level, not so much the practical risk management, you know, kind of thinking about rotors level, just on that sort of, you know, I just want to show that I like you and it's Christmas. Mm. And um, but my boundary around that should allow me to be able to express that as a human to another human.
1: Absolutely. I've done a variety of Christmassy things with clients, you know, from Them sitting in a powered wheelchair or a bed and helping them decorate a tree or me decorating it for them whilst listening to music, you know, whilst they watch and perhaps tell me with a nod of the head or something where they want things or where they don't want things, what they like and what they don't want. Um, You know, I've pureed Christmas dinners so that they can have that and fed them that, you know, pureed turkey does not look so good. But, you know, it's (laughs) something about, you know, pureed Brussels and, and not... Not too special either, um, but you know, like you said, it might be thinking about treating that person with their unique dignity and respect. So, if I pureed a mince pie, you'd be, you know, for you, you'd be like, no thanks, no thanks. But other people, you know, that might that might work really well. Or, you know, could I find a mince pie scented candle if someone really liked mince pies, but they are nil by mouth? You know, there's other ways that we can we can demonstrate humanity. Um, and, you know, you might really like, um, I love my favourite Christmas song is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. you know, I can't help but jig along to that. Um, whereas for other people, Mariah Carey would be, you know, hell on earth. So I think there's treating those people, those, the people we support with dignity and respect, getting to know them throughout the whole of the year so that we know what they'll, you know, like come Christmas time as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. In some ways we need to think a little bit
0: around the sort of mental health issues that our clients might be experiencing. Like I say, that the sort of loneliness and the um, the sadness that might come with that. Thinking a, a little bit around how it, you know, kind of maladaptive coping strategies. I know alcohol use increases um, around Christmas time. And, uh, you know, for those who, who use it to, um, y- you know, to cope, uh, etc. That's all part of the sort of, you know, management planning and the risk management planning that we have to do. But, you know, that rescuer tendency can be quite strong at this time of the year. And I'm just wondering what you would advise about what we what we can try and do to observe in our own practices, ways not to kind of get sucked in, if you like. And I mean, sucked in, not in a disrespectful way, but just in a like it's it's naturally it's what we do. You know, we want to help. That's why we've made a whole job out of it. But um, I, you know what? What is it that we, a psychologists working in, in 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 grief and loss, what you would say to us as professionals that we might need to think about ourselves about in those situations where we're perhaps being pulled into an emotional uh, response to someone else's negative emotions?
1: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that alcohol and I would say that's probably within normal limits anyway, even if we're not feeling like depressed, depressed and low at Christmas. You know, even those of us who don't usually drink, you know, are more likely to to imbibe something over Christmas, especially if in with company. Um, but, you know, it is it is an emotional time. I guess we're talking about the major- in the majority um, you know, Christian Christian people or people that are celebrating the Christian holiday, because of course, not everybody does. You know, many people might just think of this as a, just another day, you know, where you can't actually go to Asda if you want to. And that's quite an inconvenience. So we're, you know, we're reflecting what might not be important to somebody. And they might always have hated Christmas. And, you know, as a psychologist, there's probably grief and trauma there anyway, if that is the case. Um, but um, yeah, I think, It just feels, I think it is that Christmas carol element again, isn't it? It feels like everyone ought to be having a nice time at Christmas. You know, the idea of someone eating their Christmas dinner by themselves feels really painful, um, even if someone is choosing to do that. So there are are often options where people can go, um, or people offer to come and sit with them, but they're choosing to sit by themselves. And that, you know, you have to allow people to make those choices, even if it doesn't sit that comfortably with you you know even if actually you'd prefer them to be I don't know surrounded by different people they're allowed to choose to be by themselves if they want to and that that can take some adjusting too I think as well don't subscribe to the stereotype I guess Mm. of everyone
0: wants to be with everyone else at Christmas time and it's a really lonely sad time sometimes it's probably quite nice to have a little bit of quiet I don't know like you say it's about getting to know your clients and and what works and that's what a good care plan will highlight Um, and keeping in touch with carers who will hear some of those narratives coming through and being able to sort of plan for those accordingly Mm. absolutely (laughs) so Marianne if we were to think together about some top tips you know that we can share with our audience today what do you think they would be in terms of managing the grief and the loss of our clients, the challenges that, you know, we personally have in our own lives, um, alongside sort of managing a care package that will be running over Christmas. What would you say are things that we should think about?
1: Okay, I think we can give ourselves permission to just focus on this period of time right now, just to try and ring fence that, you know. So if we, we know, as humans, we're going to have that natural compare and contrast about things gone by and all of that, but we can just try and focus on making sure that we're doing the best we can do for that person. And, you know, in our role um, with with the people we support right now, um, you know, nothing we can do right now this Christmas is going to make up for the grief and the loss and the suffering that this person has endured. And so it's a little unrealistic to expect ourselves to be able to do that. We can allow ourselves just to do just to do right now to the best of our ability, whilst knowing that that in itself is enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I would add to that um,
1: from a, a more practical perspective, making sure that your
0: uh, the you know, rotors are as good as they can be and, and have contingency built into them. Uh, thinking about risk and um, how that might need to be reflected in the care plans and the risk assessments. And I would say giving that, sharing that permission, that knowledge of permission with our care teams. Um and um allowing them to be able to take a break beyond what they will be experiencing through the rotor. Um and that they don't, you know, that we as a team have got this collectively. Um and that it's not any one person's responsibility to or they don't have to feel like it's their responsibility to do, you know, to kind of go above and beyond because we're all uh, you know, the whole system is built to allow them to go, you know, to, to take a break, really.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. People are people are still humans and it is still their Christmas too, um, you know, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's something you said
0: as well, which I think is a bit of a, a top tip as well, about kind of people do things differently and just checking in with your client about what they actually want to see at Christmas. And do they want phone calls upon phone calls and people dropping by? Or, you know, are they you know, just sort of neutral about Christmas or do they want, you know, their whole
1: house decked out? For sure. Just treat that person as an individual. Get to know them. You know, don't shy away from asking the question for fear that they're going to say, I always used to love Christmas. It was absolutely brilliant. It was the best day of my life. And this year's going to be rubbish. You know, you might not get that answer, you know, and, you know, just ask the question and see what you can do on a right now kind of basis to help them to have something that that is enjoyable that adds that adds a little something to their day or their life yes yes all the while suspending our own belief about what it could and should
0: be because yeah uh, it's quite difficult to do that sometimes isn't it
1: it is it is for sure
0: I think one thing that I would um say and uh, is that sometimes there can be pressure from our various professions or um, from our colleagues about what we should and shouldn't do. And I think that comes back to your point about boundary, You know, where you set your boundaries is what you should operate within, regardless of what other people might do in the same job or with the same type of client or whatever. And that manages the certainty that your client will experience, which will reduce anxiety, even if it may not be Ideal for them, or they would have liked it a bit differently. But this is something that is a, a hybrid outcome of what you know you need, what your client is is you know uh, will need, but uh, is something that is manageable and sustainable over that tough
1: period for some. Absolutely. I mean, some managers I've worked for have been very hardline. You know, you don't send clients Christmas cards. You know, that's not appropriate. But actually, if it feels you know that's the natural way that you would treat somebody. Uh, and that you know that that will perhaps be an important, um, you know, cherished almost act or gesture, then, you know, you can allow yourself to, to do something that feels, you know, right to you, you know, so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say lavish gifts are the way forward. But actually, you know, just letting someone know that you've held them in mind and thought about them at this time that that, you know, that's a nice thing.
0: Yeah, that's a really nice thing. Well, I think we can end on that note, if that's all right. Um, And thank you once more, Dr. Marianne Trent, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom around, you know, how to manage Christmas um, alongside our emotions and our, you know, clients' expectations. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Um, A very good summary of things that we might want to think about, things that we might find a little bit challenging over the festive period in general. This year is obviously a little bit different, but um, I hope that um, the kind of thoughts that uh, we share today are of value to you. And please do let us know what you think in, in response to uh, some of our, where you, wherever you listen to this on our social media outlets, like uh, Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever. It would be really great to hear what this episode might have meant to you. All right, thank you for now, and see you next time. go. If you enjoyed the episode today, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support.